Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. If there's something that God's called you to do and you haven't done it because you're afraid, that fear that you have, the same thing Paul told Timothy, God didn't give you that fear. God didn't give it to you. So who gave it to you, where it came from, where did it come from? It didn't come from God. Your fear didn't come from God. If we would just do whatever God said with abandonment for what might happen, what might go wrong, what might not work out, what they might think, what, if we just let all that go and just say, God, whatever you tell me to do, I'm gonna do it. We'll tear up some things in a good way. Are you afraid? Where is your fear coming from? In today's message, Pastor Bill tells us that God doesn't give us fear for something he calls us to do. The fear we feel when God tells us to do something comes from Satan. He brings fear to prevent God's work from getting done. In a way, the fear we feel is based on our selfishness. Many times we are more concerned about our reputation than we are concerned about the person that God wants to bless. Let's remember if God is for us, who can be against us? Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 1 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. He's in prison himself, but he's praying for other people. He's a night and day. What I'm doing in prison, I'm, I got a lot of time on my hands, and I'm spending a lot of it praying for you. My mind, my heart is with you guys, praying for you night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you. That word genuine means unhypocritical. Paul says there's just a genuine faith in you, Timothy. Have you ever met somebody that you just say, that person's genuine? There's a sincerity about them, a purity. We know people like that, where you, you just see that there's just a, a sincerity and a purity that it's just there. You just can see it in their life. There's genuine. They're solid. There's, there's a sincerity to their faith. Paul said that's what Timothy was like. And then he goes on to speak about where he saw this at first. He says, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Check this out, grandparents, right? Paul says, look, there's a genuine faith in this young man, Timothy, but it was first. First in grandma, then in mom, and it's made its way down. That means grandma did her thing. That means grandma had genuine faith. Grandma loved God. Grandma passed it on down to daughter. And Grandma and daughter, because there's never any mention of Timothy's father. We don't know why, but it's not absent for nothing. There's no mention of his dad. And so uh, it may be that they did this alone. It may be that without his help, without his presence, without dad's input, this was done. But it was first in your grandmother, Lois, and it was also in your mother, Eunice, that genuine faith. And now, Timothy, we see it in you, too. And if I could just encourage the parents, grandparents have a special place in the kids' lives. And maybe your kids are messed up and they're not doing right, but grand, they bring the grands over to you and you get to have them. What well, do you do it? You lead them to the Lord. You take them to church. You teach them about the Lord. You take full advantage of your opportunity as a grandparent to, to do what you can do to see your grandbabies know Jesus. Also, it speaks to us as parents because Lois passed it down to Eunice. Eunice passed it down to her, her son. So, you know, to your own kids. If you're a parent, you ask most parents, What's your, what's, what's your role as a parent? What's your main to provide, you know, this, this? No, your main job as a parent is, first, first job as a parent is to bring your kids, help your kids come to the knowledge of Jesus. That's, that's the most important thing you're going to ever do as a parent. 
If I couldn't provide housing for my kids, but I got them saved, they're covered. They may not be covered by a roof, but they're covered. They're covered by God. If I can't provide the best of schooling, if I can't provide the best of, you know, material things, but I can provide them a relationship with the living God, we're going to be on this earth for a limited time span. We're going to be in eternity for forever. We're going to be in eternity for all eternity. So if I can get my kids to a place where they understand who Jesus is, they'll know who to cry out to in a time of need. They'll know how to reach him. They'll know how to be in touch. They'll have a relationship with the living God. That's the most valuable thing I can pass down. Now, I want to do all the other things just the same, but I got to know the priority is that. I, I need to make sure that they know the Lord. That's my job. That's my role. That's my agenda. And I don't care about anything else as much. I don't celebrate anything else as much. I'm glad for the good grades, but I'm gladder for the service to the Lord and a heart for God. When I see them do things that I know God stirred up, that's a bigger deal to me. I'm going to make a bigger deal about that. Your grades might be great. Awesome. You should do your best. I want that too, but I'm not as proud of that as I am to see you living for the Lord, to see you making choices that honor God with your life. That'll go the farthest. That'll reap the most benefit in their life. And so as we see it here, it came on down. Grandma, mom, and it came down to Timothy. And so parents, we want to, and grandparents, uh, we want to make sure that we do our part and we take advantage of the role God has given us. Amen? He says again, which I'm persuaded is in you also. Then he says, therefore, I remind you, speaking to Timothy, he says, to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And so here Paul says, look, I want to remind you to stir up the gift of God. Timothy had gifts that were given to him from God, but they were dormant, right? They needed to be stirred up. If you take, you might buy a drink, you know, um, we buy, me and my daughter buy this ginger tea. And if you just let it sit for a while, you'll see all some of the ginger and stuff at the bottom. And so you got to, if you want to taste it all, you got to stir it up. You know, you want to get it all mixed out through the thing. Paul's telling Timothy, look, there's some gifts in you that are just dormant right now, bro. And I, I got to tell you to stir it up. Stir up the gifts that are in you. And I believe the biggest hindrance to people using their gifts for the Lord is fear. So it's not strange that the very next thing he says after he says, stir up the gifts that are in you, which, which are in you through the land on my hand. And he says, for God has not given you the spirit of fear. Why are those two things so closely connected? Because one of the reasons why people sit on their gifts is for fear. God give you a word of prophecy, but you're afraid to speak it. What if it doesn't come to pass? God encourage you or stir your heart to go, go lay hands and pray for her. But you don't go do it because what if nothing happens? God tell you to do something and, you know, stir your heart up to, to serve him in a way. Maybe you're called to teach or to do something, but, but, but what if I'm not good? And can I tell you that Satan will always throw that? I've never done anything for God that my flesh wasn't afraid to do. I've never been more afraid to do anything in my life than the first time I taught. Though I felt called, I felt like God had called me to do it. Every time I pray about it, it was there. Um, when I was reading, God would give me understanding. I was preaching in my car. I, I believe with my whole heart I was called to do it. And when I finally got the opportunity to do it, I remember as the days approached, that was, I've never been that afraid of anything in my life. I've not been afraid of getting jumped. I've, not been, I've never felt that. It was, a, it was a spirit. That's how I know it was spiritual. Um, I've, I've experienced things in the world that should have been, you know, scary, but nothing matched that kind of fear. And it's it just a fear you got to overcome. And so Paul's telling Timothy, look, God didn't give you that. And so I'll say this to you. If there's something that God's called you to do and you haven't done it because you're afraid, that fear that you have, 
The same thing Paul told Timothy, God didn't give you that fear. God didn't give it to you. So who gave it to you, where it came from, where it come from? It didn't come from God. Your fear didn't come from God. If we would just do whatever God said with abandonment for what might happen, what might go wrong, what might not work out, what they might think, what, if we just let all that go and just say, God, whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do it, we'd tear up some things in a good way. It is a bad kind of tear. We would get some things accomplished for the Lord. I can only wonder what's dormant among us for the sake because of fear. And so I'm going to challenge you to do something because we don't want to just be hearing the word, you guys, and then leave and say, wow, God, really, I was getting convicted. I hope we get off that verse real quick. You know, it was starting to touch me. If this is you, please do this for me. If you know in your heart, I, I, God, I am not done this because I'm afraid. Right now, write it down. Right now, write it down. That's, that's part of the, that's the first step. Acknowledge it, write it down, and then before you leave, you need to share it with somebody, somebody here that'll help you. Y'all know that there are people here that'll be, that they're not going to do nothing for you. They're not going to say nothing. Don't tell them. Go to that person that you know is going to, they're going to ride you. They're going to make you. Did you do it yet? They'll be texting, calling. They'll show up at your house. Did you do it? You didn't do, you didn't do it yet. You need to do it. Today you need to do it. Before you go to the bathroom, you need to do it. That person, write it down and let somebody here know that you know is going to challenge you, encourage you to do it. Don't live another week without, what might God do? As you step out and do it, you'll never know. Don't live that kind of life. And so Paul tells Timothy, man, come on. Stir up the gift that's in you through the land on my hands. There was a, obviously there was some point where they laid hands on Timothy, praying for him. And, you know, it appears that at that point there was some gift that was acknowledged or recognized in his life. And so as Paul is saying, hey, we, we were there, bro. We're praying. We were, we, we were there when it may have been a prophetic word. It may have been just an acknowledgement from those that are spiritually over him that God has given him some gifting, and, but he's sitting on it. He's not using it. Paul says, stir that thing up. And he tells him, very next verse, God has not given you the spirit of fear. But what has he given you? The power, love, and of a sound, or some would say a disciplined mind. That's what God gave. God gave you power, Right? This is what a believer, we have power because is it our power? His power. So if it's my power, I can say I'm limited. There's some things I can't do. I don't have enough power. But if it's God's power, is there anything I can't do that God wants me to do? No, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Power, love, and of a sound mind. I love that, that balance. If you have power without love, you have a mess. You have some, some, you have some arrogant, mean, you know, you have something that's crazy, but you get some power. God's power flowing through some man or woman. And you mix that with someone that's walking in love, the supernatural agape love of God. You got power, love, and you got somebody with a sound mind. Um, you don't want somebody wacky. You know, somebody that's got a, a disciplined mind. They're, they're, there's not, this person's not all over the place. Uh, there's, a, there's a, you know, they can focus. They can bring it down. You get those three things. Paul said, Timothy, God didn't give you fear. He gave you power, his power. He gave you love, his love. And he gave you a sound mind, everything you need. Um, to move forward and do what God's given for you to do. Moving on, verse eight. Therefore, he says, do not be ashamed. I'm gonna point out real quick, you can write down the verses. Um, we're gonna see the word ashamed three times in the chapter. In verse eight, right here, do not be ashamed. Down in verse 12, Paul says, I am not ashamed. And then down in verse 16, Paul says that Onesiphorus, uh, was not ashamed of my chains. And I, I'm going to come back up to this first one. Paul tells Timothy, therefore, because God didn't give you the fear, don't be ashamed 
of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings of the gospel according to the power of God. This is what was happening. Because Paul was in prison, because Paul was in danger, and because there was such persecution, there were believers that were shying away. They weren't going to visit Paul because they didn't want to be linked up. They didn't want the people that persecuted Paul to be like, oh, you with him? Oh, you, are you one of them? And so they just have fallen back. They were ashamed of him. They were ashamed of his chains. Paul told Timothy, hey, don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. The best way I was thinking of, man, what's the, how do you show this? The best way I can think of it is maybe not a great uh, illustration from you guys, but for some of you, it'll make a lot of sense. Um, back when I was in high school, you know, it's, I think it's not as bad or as prevalent today, but the whole blood crip thing was, it was out of control. And so, you know, we catch one bus and, you know, one bus you'd be in your area and then you catch another bus through the other area. And so you, you didn't want to be on the wrong bus wearing the wrong thing. And I remember I did this one day. I, I was coming from school and I had a particular color on from head to toe. Shoes, pants, belt, shirt. And I was pretty sure because our bus was full that we were going to pass the stop where the other color folk get on. And on this particular day, the bus stopped anyway. And I was like, I mean, I, I was proud of my outfit all day. I, was, I, I wore the outfit with pride in my area when I got to school with pride. But when that stopped at that bus, there, I was immediately ashamed. I had a girl, I was like, can you just sit, sit on my lap? <laughs> just to hide somebody. That's, I did that. And uh, I got found anyway, but you know, God, God covered me that day. But I remember just immediately, now I'm ashamed of the thing I was proud of over here. And so we could be among this group proud of the Lord. I talk, oh, Jesus, hallelujah. We could, in this atmosphere where other people agree with us, we could be proud and, and not ashamed and just we'll speak up the Lord. But then when you get out there where there's people that are, they have uh, opposing views and opposing opinions um, and arguments against, then we get ashamed. I don't want them to see, put, put, my, cover, put, put my jacket on top of my Bible. I want them to see my Bible. I don't want them to know. I want them asking me questions or whatever. Paul tells Timothy, do not be ashamed. Romans 1.16, Paul says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for the Jew first and after that the Greek. Here, Paul tells Timothy, man, don't be ashamed. Please don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of the Lord. If you find that you are ashamed, um, you have to consider why is that? Why would I be ashamed of this? When you consider what the gospel is, and so Paul's going to go into a little bit of an explanation, and I'm going to come back to why we shouldn't be ashamed. So look at this. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. What's the testimony? It's what Jesus has done for us, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. This is what God has done. Listen to this. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works. We didn't work for it, earn it, or deserve it, but according to his own purpose with grace, which he has given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. He says, look, God saved us and he called us. First of all, he saved us. What have you been saved from if you're saved? What are you saved from? You're saved from hell in the life to come. You're saved from being separated from God right now. You're saved from an empty, purposeless life right now. You're saved from the power of Satan right now. You're saved right now. It doesn't, I'm going to heaven, but salvation for me, it, it matters right now. Satan, man, he don't have no power in my life now because I belong to God. I'm a child of God, so Satan can't just do what he wants. I'm saved. 
Demons can't just access me. I'm saved. I belong to God. Um, I have the hope of heaven no matter what happens because I belong to God. When bad things happen for me, I got the promises to say that all things are working together for the good of those who love God according to his purpose because I belong to God. My whole life is different because I'm saved right now. And so Paul says, man, you've been saved. You've been saved and then you've been called with a holy calling. God saved me. And then God said, now, Bill, I've saved you, but now I'm calling you. I saved you from the penalty of death. I've saved you from hell. I've saved you from an empty life. I've saved you from being separated from me for all eternity. We'll always be in relationship from now on, but now I'm calling you, right? The one that saved me is now saying, now I want you to do something. Now I saved you by grace. You didn't do anything to be saved. You didn't earn it. You don't deserve it. You couldn't have worked for it. I saved you because I love you, an act of my just unmerited grace upon your life. But now since I did that for you, I'd like you to do something for me. Will you do it? Called you with a holy calling. And so that's the same for all of you. You're saved. God saved you by grace, through faith. You believed he did the work. He died. He came after you. He pursued you when you weren't thinking about him. He opened your blind eyes. He, he did all the work to bring you to all the way to salvation. Now you're here saying, I'm saved. And God said, now, now I want you to do something for me. One thing that God wants every believer to do for him is to tell other people about him. He could have had the gospel go forth any way he wanted, but God says, I want those that have been reached by the gospel to go tell those that need the gospel, the gospel. But if you're ashamed, you can't do the very thing that you, that's one of the very purposes of the life of the believer is to to tell other people. You can't even function as God would have you to because I'm afraid. I love myself so much. I care so much about me and what people might think about me and how they might relate to me. I can't follow the call of God in my life. The greatest thing we can do to make ourselves more useful to God is to die to us, die to ourselves. I am the biggest obstacle to God having full access to my life. I am. And when I die to myself, that's why Jesus told the disciples, if anyone wants to follow me, let him do what? Deny himself. And then what? Take up his cross. Take up your instrument of death because you're going to die daily. Deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me because you'll never follow me if you don't die to yourself and you're not willing to deny yourself. If you're going to live this life for yourself, you'll never be able to follow me. Yourself will always be in the way of Jesus. And so, again, Paul tells him, don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. Paul said, look, don't be ashamed of me either. I'm connected to him. I'm in prison for him. Don't be ashamed of me either because there were people that turned away from Paul and he's going to blast them out in this chapter and it's a shame on them. So, um, but he says, but look, share with me in the sufferings. How many Christians try to live a life that avoids suffering when Jesus didn't say to do that? What did Jesus tell his disciples? He guaranteed them that they're going to suffer. We're going to see later in this book that all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But what did Jesus tell the disciples in the, in the Sermon on the Mount? He said, look, When they persecute you, he says, but rejoice when they persecute you and do all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. He didn't say live in such a way that they won't persecute you, they won't bother you, try to avoid it at all costs. He says when they do it, you rejoice and be exceedingly glad. They're not persecuting you because you're being weird. Um, You're getting in people's faces and spitting when you talk. Um, but, But you're just living for God, right? When you're living a righteous life and you, you know, you, I'm not going to participate in that because I'm, I'm, I'm a believer and I'm, I don't get down like that. I'm not going to be at that function because that's not how I do, um, you know. 
And if you catch some flack for living like that, God says, you rejoice. Oh, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Um, for great is your reward in heaven. And so we can live in such a way, we're trying to avoid that. I don't want them to say this. And God says, man, you, you, it's treasure in heaven that you're missing. I'm trying to reward you, and you're trying to live in such a way that you don't feel it. Paul told Timothy, hey, you come on and share in my sufferings. It might be difficult now, but it'll be worth it then. And so sharing my sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, God's the one that will empower you to withstand and to deal with it. Again, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, that's so important, that nobody gets saved because they were good enough. Nobody obeyed enough. Nobody was good enough. Nobody is saved because I worked really hard. And nobody can give a testimony about how they came to Christ and say, well, you know, I. Now it's wrong. It's not how it happened. Him. Everything that needed to happen for me to be saved, he did it. Right? I was lost. He found me. I always try to correct people. I found the Lord. No, 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 no. You were lost. You were blind. He found you. He gave you sight. You know, he, he, you know, he saved you. You were lost. He, he saved you. All these, he did all the work. And now as a recipient of his grace and his goodness in my life, I'm living in response to what God has done. And do you see how different that is? Now I'm in response. Now God has said, look, when you were, Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates his own love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So God says, when you weren't thinking about me, you didn't love me, you didn't know me, your heart wasn't towards me, I died for you then. I came after you then. And so it wasn't you looking for me, right? No one sought the Lord. God sought us out. But now that he's got you, now from this position here, God says, now, so I saved you by grace. But now you get to respond to me. I loved you first. We love him because he what? First loved us. God says, I'm the initiator. You're the respondent. But now I get to respond to a God that loved me like that. So what should my response be like? It shouldn't be half-hearted. I shouldn't be holding back. I mean, God, when I look at what Jesus did for me, he loved me when I didn't love him. He came after me when I was lost. When I wasn't thinking about him, he came after me, opened my eyes, saved me, didn't gave me second-class status. I look at my life before I was saved and think, I don't even think I should be able to do what I get to do, but God, I'm going to even use you after I save. I'm going to clean you up. I'm going to give you gifts. I'm going to give you things to do for me, and I'm going to let you be used by me. It would be wrong from the place that I'm in now to say, but I don't want you to do that in my life, God. I don't want you to have, I, I love you back. Thank you for all that you did. It was, I appreciate it a whole lot. I'm looking forward to heaven. But now I don't want to talk to them people about you. That wouldn't be right. Would that be fair? Would that be right? That would be wrong. That wouldn't even look like worship. Um, what it should look like for the person that really grasped what God has done. You did that for me, God. You just, say, you, you just say what you want. Anything you say, I'll do it. For you guys that have kids, anybody ever seen a kid that was just so happy to get something? Anything you want to do, Dad? Anything? I, I got one. I got a little guy. That he, he's, he's cheap to, right now. He's cheap to, to please. And he just, he just wants something and it just anything. You know, I, I give him something. He's so thankful. Dad, thank you so much. Wait, I'm, I'm going to help mom do this and that. And I'm going to, he just, it's just his heart is like, I want to try to do something to, to please you, to, to earn it back. And I'm like, it's, hey, bro, it's, it's good. But go do that for your mom anyway, you know. But you see the heart. The heart is saying, I, I, I want you to know I really appreciate it. So, so now I'm just going to do anything and I'm going to even help out my sister and all this kind of stuff. Well, what God has done for us can never be paid back. There's never anything more expensive can be given. There's nothing, there's nothing greater could ever be done for us than what Jesus has done. So the one that did that for me says, hey, I want you to tell people about me. Yes, Lord. I don't want you to live like that anymore. Yes, Lord. I want you to stop that thing right there. Get that out of your life. Yes, Lord. I want you to pursue this now. Yes, 
Yes, Lord. I want you to die to yourself in this area. I want you to love some unlovely people like I loved you when you were unlovely. Yes, Lord. That's to become our new regular. Yes, Lord. Yes. You've been listening to Pastor Bill Buffington on The Transforming Word. Pastor Bill comes to us from Calvary Chapel, Inglewood in Inglewood, California. Are you in the area and looking for a church to call home? We'd love to welcome you into our community. Head on over to CalvaryInglewood.org to learn more about the church and the people in it. And then come see us this Sunday. For those of you who can't make it, don't worry. Technology is an amazing thing, and we're using it to leverage the kingdom. You can follow our live stream on YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook. And you can always go back and watch it later on YouTube. There's a link on our website, which was CalvaryInglewood.org. In this series, Pastor Bill is going through the book of 2 Timothy, a letter of the Apostle Paul. Timothy was neck deep in ministry troubles, and Paul wrote to encourage him and give him instructions, like these ones found in 2 Timothy 2.1. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. This is a series you won't want to miss. And if you'd like to jump in and become part of this ministry, you'll find opportunity to give online or on our mobile app. Give to a transforming word and join us in spreading the transforming good news of Jesus Christ. You'll never know how far your gift will go. Well, that's all we have time for today. We'll be back next time for another great word from Pastor Bill right here on A Transforming Word.